Welcome to the Law of Startups podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I am Joe Wallen. Thank you for being on the show. Today, uh, we are lucky to have with us uh, Barack Rosenblum, the founder and CEO of Essay Mentors. Barack, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. For sure. Now, hey, Barack, uh, for those of us um, who haven't heard of Essay Mentors, can you tell, tell us about it? Absolutely. We are a company here in Issaquah and work with high school students, helping them write great, uh, engaging, authentic college essays, uh, which is a huge, huge part of the college process. And we have started, we started one-on-one working with kids about five years ago, and we really are expanding and growing, uh, working with high schools, working with nonprofits, and uh, building an app to really expand out to from, you know, dozens or scores of kids to hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of kids and really uh, make a, a significant difference in a lot of lives. Uh, that sounds exciting. So yeah, I'd love to hear about the um, love to hear about the app thing you're working on. Sure, we have so if you think about uh, TurboTax online, I think about two thirds of the people I when I ask that question, they say they use that. TurboTax takes the very complex process that a tax accountant will, will guide someone through and makes it incredibly, incredibly easy. Uh, and, and I won't say painless because it's still your taxes, but it's very step-by-step and it asks a lot of questions and it's very smart. And if you answer questions a certain way today, then when you go back to it you know, later on, it will move and adapt to you so that you have really clean taxes a tax return. Our process that we guide kids through, this isn't, this is, we don't do just sort of simple editing and things like that. We have a very well thought out, unique process uh, that our one-on-one students go through and that kids, <clears throat> excuse me, working through nonprofits or schools go through. So our question several years ago was, how do we make this available to and there's over a million kids a year writing college essays. How do we make it available to as many of them as possible? So in developing the app, uh, it really is sort of creating a virtual mentor and creating an experience for the kids where they were like, wow, they're in this sort of virtual conversation that's smart enough to know where they are at any step, where they could be at any step in the process to ask the kind of questions and to narrow down <clears throat> excuse me, to the issues that they have predictably and to give them just the guidance that they need. And uh, it's, it's a big project, but it's, it's uh, fun and, and uh, it's going to make a big difference for a lot of kids. Yeah, it sounds like a, a great, a great uh, tool. Writing an essay like that is so hard because you're, if you, well, first of all, if you're not practiced in writing those types of essays, just anything you're not practicing is hard. But, but there's so much pressure in that situation for, for somebody when they're trying to get into a school and they're worried about, they're worried about whether they're going to get in. Yeah, so yeah. these kids are 17, right? Or 16, there's 17. A, yeah, yeah, 16, 17, 18, you know, right around there. And yeah, you're right, Joe. They are, they, 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 they are not taught how to do this in school. So they know how to write analytical essays and comparative essays. Essentially, this is memoir writing. It's short story writing. Totally different skill set, totally different mindset. They don't learn it in high school. They don't do that in college, but that's the bridge from high school to college. It's something that they have no idea how to do. Add in stress of 
excuse me, wow, this is what will make the difference in getting me into, you know, the college of my choice or helping me get that, you know, extra scholarship, the pressure on them is incredible. Or they think I'm an A student, no big deal, I'll just whip out an essay the night before, and then they don't get the college of their choice, so they don't get the scholarship. Right. Well, it sounds like, I mean, okay, you're going to have a, it would seem like a pretty sizable market to, addressable market here. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. We, we estimate, um, it, there are no like firm numbers. Bare minimum, we know there's over 800,000 kids every year. Uh, and, you know, we think it's about a million. And, you know, we're not even talking yet about, you know, the kids, you know, in four years who are going to apply to graduate school and in other directions we can go with the platform we're developing really to help anyone tell their stories and to communicate powerfully and clearly and authentically, which uh, has, you know, we have adults coming to us saying, hey, I need help writing my bio or my LinkedIn profile even. How do I do that? You know, I haven't read many that really grab my attention and get me excited. Yeah, well, I was just as I was listening to you talk about the app, I was thinking, I was thinking about things like that. Well, when you know, people will and people need help writing uh, desperately, right? It's a hard thing, and um, tools to help people write. I've always thought that was a really fascinating area to think about tech and how tech can totally. help. Yeah, and it's funny because if you're, it, it, it's in a sense, I was lucky. I looked about six or eight months ago and said, "Why am I doing this?" Like of all the people who could do this how did I get here? And I just have this sort of eclectic background that where I went through a lot of different sort of spaces and, you know, my graduate degrees in public policy, but I ended up doing leadership development kind of flowing out of that, which is integral in the work I was doing with teenagers as, you know, running a leadership program at a ski school for 10 weeks in the winter. And all of a sudden, so like everything moved to that and background as an English major and an English teacher. And it, and if you have just a tech person or just an English teacher or just, you know, someone with one sliver of experience, boy, it's it's hard to even see how to begin how to help someone write in a way that's that's useful if you don't know how people actually write. <laughs> and I don't mean mechanically, but what their process is. And then if you have someone who's a great English teacher, a great writing coach, they don't have the tech experience or the perspective of building a business. So, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a funny challenge, and I'm not surprised looking at how difficult this has been, uh, why no one has done this. Well, we've talked about this before in the show, and the question about, um, you know, you, these, these tools that write stories, um, like these robots, these robots that write stories for newspapers. What do you think about that? Well, they have their use. If you're, if you need a quick little story about what happened in the ball game last night, or you know, something like that. But um, this is it, it. Well, one from the perspective of what it's doing to journalism, I don't think that's a great thing. Uh, but then there are a lot of stories that I can imagine just get sort of churned out and they're mechanical, and it's not a big deal. Right. But a college essay is just a, a completely different beast. It's how can a robot ever come up with an opening line like, I lost it when Darius peed in the girl's cabin. Or, you know, my guilty pleasure as a child was stealing my sister's easy bake oven. 
Right. <laughs> you know, no, like, I, I totally get it. Finally related. You read it, it's like, wow, I know who this kid is. Right. <laughs> Robots aren't going to do that. I'm not concerned about that. Right. No, I don't think I don't think I don't think robots are ever going to completely take over a process, but there might be places where they they can augment the the process in a helpful oh, way. Yeah. Totally, totally. I mean, <clears throat> and we've I've had some really fascinating con- conversations, you know, one with a a senior software architect at Microsoft, and he said, "Oh, you could do this and this and this." And I said, "Really? I had no idea." So yeah, there's some things where machine learning and AI are are going that that can help essentially proofread a lot smarter than with a lot more intelligence than what you get in Word. Yeah, I'm curious you know, to know. Uh, so do you work with with um, like entrance uh, entrance officers, folks that are reading lots of these, and, and get feedback from them on what they like to see and what they don't like to see? I imagine I imagine there's probably no substitute for having read, you know, thousands of these essays right. and realizing what's good and bad about them. Yeah. The, it's, it, you can go online. It's, it's, it's very easy to find out exactly what they want. And there are a lot of, they, they've, and I've certainly talked with, with a lot of them individually and shown them some of the essays and it, it, it shouldn't take any high school kid more than 10 minutes to realize that they should write something that's engaging, that they should write something that's a story that reveals who they are, that they shouldn't be bragging, that mm-hmm. they are exhausted reading essays about how I didn't make the soccer team in the ninth grade, but then I persevered and learned the value of teamwork. You know, the, so there's a lot of, really, or that's, that's one of the big ones, or the, you know, I went to Guatemala to help rebuild the orphanage. And I came back with a new appreciation of how similar everyone is and how fortunate I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and which, and those are really important experiences uh, developmentally for kids, uh, but they're common. So again, the questions are, you know, that's the right question. It's like, how do I, how do I, as a, as a writer, what do I even know to write about? And what are they looking for? So that you can find all over the place, but that doesn't tell you how to get there. And that's what's missing. But yeah, we absolutely have. I had one admissions director um, in, in the workshop that I give, uh, you know, he came up to me and said that the sample essay that I use is the perfect college essay. <laughs> and no one could ever ask for anything more uh, and it's it's an amazing essay, an amazing little short story and piece of piece of art. Uh, and in the and if you look at all the sample essays on my website, you realize they're all that effective in producing the result of getting accepted to college and getting financial aid or scholarships. If that's kind of where they're headed. That's great. And so so tell me about this decision to move to technology. I, I assume that your business was was more traditional before you started working on the app. Um, it sounded like a lot of one-on-one with mm-hmm. uh, with individuals. Um, so, what was the process like when you decided to start working in tech? Did you did you um, team up with a tech technology uh, partner, or did you hire a consultant, or how how did you figure out how to do this well, app stuff? Because it's that, you know, it was a long term. It was a little bit of a long term process. I have part of my background. <laughs> this goes back to the oh, I guess I've done that before. Kind of resume when I was. Uh, even going back to being a high school teacher, 
uh, for a couple of years. It was a small private school. I had small classes, classes with eight or ten kids, and I, I realized how painful it was to read ten essays about the Lord of the Rings. And I have a lot of compassion for like a public high school teacher who has to read 150 of them. And I just uh, so I created a, a process and a feedback form <clears throat> for students to get into groups and, and essentially comment on and read each other's essays. And then I would read and comment on their comments. And they learned a lot by going through the process themselves. And excuse me, it cut my time from an hour in essay to 10 minutes. So I've always been very aware of the power of really giving away part of the process in a way that people could learn for themselves and come to deeper understanding of whatever it is they need to learn. So that, that goes way back. And when I was at the U.S. Department of Labor, <clears throat> we had I worked for four years on a very large project. To me, it was a small project with a large impact. And the question we had was, how do we take tools for getting customer feedback or re refocusing organizations on customers and on quality and on continuous improvement without having to hire very expensive consultants? And we created, and I was really the, you know, took the lead conceptually in how do you, in, in creating workbooks and and training and train the trainer projects so that for relatively little money, we could start touching, you know, thousands of organizations around the country serving millions of Americans. So I've always had that mindset of, of come up with something that no one's come up with and then give it away so that a lot of people can use it. And when I started realizing that I had a process uh, for helping kids write essays, it was just emerging. You know, the first I sat down with a friend and we was kind of talking about it, and she said, "Wait a minute, this is your brand. This is your this is your million dollar business idea." And I was like, "Oh, really?" And then I was sitting down with another friend who's an amazing thinker and, and an incredible guy in in the digital space. And he's not a tech guy as much as, you know, really how to get people communicating and how to use online platforms to do innovative things. And he started, he pulled out a pen and paper and started drawing all sorts of things and we could do this and we could do that. And at that point, it was how do we find, how do we do marketing and get, have a franchise model or have mentors around the country or something like that. And uh, when I started, and that actually, Joe, is about the first time I came to one of those meetups at your office with Pete Faso and, and, you know, started looking at the numbers and realized all of a sudden I was going to have to have 2000, 3000 highly, highly, highly trained mentors. And I was just like, no, this is crazy. So I started looking at other ways. How can we make this something accessible, but more self-service and still have space for people with expertise to come and support the kids. Right, uh, hey. and then it's a long story after that. <laughs> sure. So, so Barack, do you do the uh, National Novel Writing Month, or have you done it before? I have not. I have had a couple of kids who've done that, but that would be a great place to market. I don't know if, if that's something where that can or plug in or or make some tools for kids. That would be fun. Yeah. Well, I think. Um, well, there's a product called um, 
Write or Die. I don't know if you've heard of this product or not, but it's a uh, it's a, it, first of all, Na- National Novel Writing Month is I think I think it's kind of an international phenomena, but it's yeah. this, the idea is, hey, between November 1st and November 30th, you're going to write 50,000 words, and you can't start before November 1st, and and if you succeed in doing it, you can upload your words to some place, and they'll give you a badge to put on your website or something. It's kind of a fun thing. But there's this yeah. software product called Write or Die, and it, it costs, I think, $20 to download this thing, and you can set it so that um, if you start writing and you pause the cursor will start going backward, deleting what you wrote. And you can, oh, I love it. So, so it forces you to just get out whatever it is that, you're, that, you, that you have inside you to get out. And, uh, and, I, and, I read, and I read somewhere, somewhere I read that some very, very large percentage of the people who do no, National Novel Writing Month buy that thing. And uh, from what I can tell, it's um, – well, I've, I've bought multiple copies because I, I keep them a sucker. But um, it, anyway, it's interesting. I think tools to help people write are really fascinating. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I have not heard of that. It's perfect because the, when we have, we want kids to write a huge amount of words for exactly the same reason. It's like, how do we get them just thinking and then essentially transcribing their thoughts fast? And the exercise I have them do is, okay, I'm going to set a timer for 12 minutes and you're going to write a bunch of crap. And they sort of, they do a little like, what? I said, yeah, I want garbage. Just spew it out as fast as you can. And one of the rules is, the two rules are you cannot stop typing unless you have to shake your hand because it hurts. And you cannot go backwards. You can't delete, you can't edit unless, you know, the last, sometimes you hit the delete key for a word or two. That's okay. But uh, I love, you know, and that's one of the things we were playing with um, as we were developing the beta, you know, when we were looking at, at how to do that, the developers just said, okay, look, just put up a, you know, tell them don't delete anything and keep writing uh, for now. But I love that it will start deleting your work. <laughs> so yeah. what is, what's the current state of the project? Is this a, is the, is the app something people can access now or is it something in development? No, it's in development. We are a, <clears throat> excuse me, we made a, a very difficult uh decision earlier this year, it was just clear that we were not going to have the beta done. That was our target. And originally, we were talking about having something much larger, you know, an actual version one with possibly possibly even some of our add-on sort of mentoring, getting feedback uh, services as well. And we just got, we realized how much of a challenge it was going to be to do that. And then targeted having the beta. And and again, it was I kept learning and discovering and working with the developers and working with uh, we were we we had enough money to get some basic you know, UX user experience design um, early this year. And then I took over doing the wireframes and putting everything together. I'm a writer. <laughs> I did not do that efficiently or well, but we learned how to integrate the language we've already written and the complexities uh, of that into something where where it integrates with technology uh, as opposed to just flat, you know, 50,000 words that we've written. Okay, well, how do we break it up? And, oh, where does that back button go kind of thing? So yeah, I think it's, it sounds good that you're involved in, at that level. I think there's sometimes there's a tendency for, for non-technical folks to be afraid to sort of tread into that space and then try to hand it over to other folks and then and then it's it's just harder, I think, going forward if you don't have that involvement with the with you know how it's designed, how it works. Um, yeah, yeah, it seems like the right the right move to try to do it, even if it's not 
even if you're not the most efficient at it, you'll you'll get more efficient and, and you'll be that much more connected to what the product is. Yeah, and I'm very clear that we need we need a UX person. We need some people with some serious skills because this is I've I've built websites, you know, and WordPress for a bunch of people. So when I was saying my eclectic my eclectic resume, <laughs> like I have some capacity with that. But this, this, I suddenly realized why no one has done this. No, it's hard. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, especially really hard. Yeah. I've, I've seen there's, there's other products that I've looked at making in the past that have, have reminded me of TurboTax in a sense that they're like, uh, you know, Joe and I both have worked in the legal field. And so as a software guy, uh, there's all kinds of legal problems that seem like they should be solved with software. So like mm-hmm. contract generation is, is one of the like, obvious ones. You think, okay, well, I'm, I'm writing these contracts and my process is that I sort of have to think about the deal, look back at previous deals and try to find something that seems like it's the most uh, similar and then just sort of branch it and work off of that as opposed to like some kind of a contract generator where it literally could ask the, the client questions and then have certain provisions of the contract be inserted based on the questions that are answered. And, and there's, they've got that for, um, I think like there's some term sheet generators and some Maybe yeah. like or some things that are out there, but but I've looked at doing those, and you know, just the process of walking someone through a bunch of questions and having things, you know, uh, it, it's not an easy it's not an easy workflow. Yeah, no. what I've noticed about that, Mike, is um, I just think the one the tool gets incredibly. I mean, the the interview, the front end interview, just gets too complex, mm-hmm. and someone needs to create a tool that's a simple to use as an a, like an ATM machine. It's got to be it's got to be that simple. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but maybe maybe that maybe someone will figure it out. Sorry, Barack, you were gonna. Well, say well something. that might fit our platform someday. Who knows? <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that. You know, and we're adding the complexity of seventeen-year-olds. I mean, this is not a trivial project for them. This is their life. They, you know, it's the way they look at it. They don't realize that they'll be okay. But they're like, wow, this this is there's terror behind it for some of them, or stress and. And so we have to build in, you know, even little, a lot of little things to help them de-stress and say, you're going to be okay. And then now you got to get feedback from your parents or your teachers. Well, now we have to train them in what even to look for. So, yeah, it's uh, the logic trees go, like the, the underlying technology is straightforward, the programming. It's, yeah, it's, more, of a, it's more of a design, design and UX challenged how do you present all this information to people in a way that isn't just you know overwhelming yeah Um, and like TurboTax, i I spent a lot of time just kind of fake doing fake taxes this year and and there you know i could point to a lot of things in our design that you know i saw TurboTax doing and i had to say why are they doing that isn't that bad ux until i People hate Turbo. I mean, it, it's so much better than doing taxes on your own, but, but it's been a long time since I've used it, but I, I don't remember loving that software, even though it, it did do Oh, the old was, one was terrible. So the old software was hard, you know, on just when you just bought the, what do you call the, the CD, the disc, whatever. That oh, right. I, my computer doesn't even have it. Someone gave me a, a music DVD last week. I was like, where do I put it? <laughs> I don't have, <laughs> this doesn't help me anymore. I, I can't even use CDs. But the um, the new TurboTax online is so brilliant, and it starts out saying, "Hi, what's your name? 
And you say, it's, it's Barack. It's like, hi, Barack. Nice to meet you. How are you feeling about your taxes? And there's a smiley face, a neutral face, and a frowny face. And you push the smiley, you push the frowny face like, you know what? A lot of people feel like that. We got your back. Let's ask you a question. And then a new screen opens and it says, are you filing as an individual or as a married couple? And it's like, that's all I have to do is just answer that question. And it's almost the experience of a conversation with them with very pale blue calming colors and, and even little details like the next button. And this is when I first started noticing the subtlety, like, why can't I hit return? I type my name. I should be able to hit my turn re- return, right? That's efficient. Or at least it should be a big, bold button. So I know what to push. No, it's a little like pale button in the lower right. Well, that's because I noticed it slows me down. And it gives me a chance to reflect on the question I just answered so I can go back and change it. Uh, and so little details like that. So we have spots where it's, you know, here's the big orange button. You push the button and you go. And then there are spots where we want to slow them down. So we have a little pale button in the lower right that that they can see, but it's not obvious and jumping out at them. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I love that sort of thing. Um, yeah. I, I do. I'm not. I I don't spend. I'm not an app designer, but I do notice things like that in various apps I use. Just, um, I mean, you can tell that there are intentional decisions about. You know, the app wants you to do a certain thing. It wants you to proceed in a certain way, and so the the way in which the the pathway is lit up for you, and then but if you don't want to go that way, it's you know, I mean, it's interesting. It's really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of really. Th- fun things to think about when you start thinking about things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I started, and that's, again, like you said, it was, it's kind of good that I dove in at this level and you're absolutely right. I'm going now I'm done. I want a designer. <laughs> this is, I have, I hit my ceiling a long time ago and I clearly, one, I don't have the skills and two, it's, it's, it's not what I love doing, but I love, I'd love to be working with the designer in really integrating like my ideas and then with the developers and, and making it all happen. Um, but, but, and being a, and knowing what goes into it. Yeah. It's been a, an amazing process that I can't imagine having just given it to it. I'm, I'm glad we didn't raise enough money through our crowdfunding campaign to pay the designer. Did and you do it? Do tell it. us, tell us about the crowdfunding campaign. How did, how sure. did that go? That's a, that's <clears throat> a big question for people about whether they want to do that and, and, you know, we love to hear people's stories about how it worked and whether it worked. Yeah, it 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 it's hard. Again, that's something people say. Excuse me. Uh, just gonna cough. For a so excuse me. So people say, you know, kept telling me, and you hear, oh, this is going to be harder than you think, and it's going to take longer than you think, and. And you'll say, no, no, no. And then in a year or two, you'll say, wow, that was a lot harder and took a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> and, and I remember, you know, sitting and, and hearing people say that and think, oh, no, no, I got this handled. And boy, it takes a lot longer and is a lot harder than I thought. And the crowdfunding campaign was no different. So our goal, so the big picture, our goal was $25,000. We raised about $12,500 and we had a couple thousand dollars in expenses. And and we based that it was to build our beta website. Uh, just first cut, we had a, a development firm that we've been working with from the very beginning. 
uh, has been very excited about this. And we thought that with about $25,000, we could we could actually get this built and have some a little bit of UX, but I thought I had that handled. Uh, and again, that took a lot longer and a lot more, more than I thought. And the crowdfunding campaign, I have a, a partner who uh, really jumped in and it was a huge amount of work just to write the copy, just, you know, all those decisions. Well, do we do Kickstarter or Indiegogo? And we went with Indiegogo because you have the option of keeping, uh, if you don't raise the full amount, you can still keep what you raised. So that was, we thought, a, the way to go. Plus, it was a better platform for the kind of project. And just writing the copy. And we're writers. You know, we went and found the most successful education Kickstarter we could find. And it, it's raised millions of dollars. And it has videos with people like Mark Zuckerberg and Barack Obama. So we're like, okay, these guys know what they're doing. And we... We modeled, we had to reverse engineer um, sort of paragraph by paragraph, what are they doing that's making, just from a copywriting perspective and a sales perspective, that's making this so appealing and made me want to donate. Uh, And then we had to do the writing and the fine tuning. Now we're writers, which is helpful that we know how to do that. And then we had to shoot the video, which was a whole other and and it was you know we hired a, a kid who does nice videos and but not super professional so what level do we want to do that and then the graphics and we I hired a graduate student who was a disaster at the graphics so I ended up doing those uh, by copying what I saw so that's just to get the thing up and running you know if you put a if you just slap it up and think you're going to get any money you're not. The second half of what has to happen is you've got to manage and manage and manage that campaign and make it your job. And we had, before we launched, we had, I think, $5,000 in commitments or $3,000. You want about 20% at least uh, for the first 48 hours. So we were emailing friends. We were, we had a pre crowdfunding page where you could go it gave a little blurb a quick little video of me and you could and there was a form where you could actually pledge and say hey i will kick in fifty dollars on in the first 48 hours let me know and that meant i was on the phone calling people reminding them and i was emailing and and we hit i forget what the numbers were but we hit our target pretty much in the first 48 hours 48 hours. But boy, that was, that was a lot of work. And as soon as someone donated, we would get a ding on, on Indiegogo. We would get on social, we would send an email thanking them. We would send a text, we would get on social media. And if they said that we could do it publicly and they were on Facebook or Twitter, uh, we would publicly thank them. Uh, and then that would get maybe one of their friends would now see this or a mutual friend would say, Oh yeah, that's really great. And if, if Joe's, you know, contributing to this this campaign, and I know Joe and I know Barack, I'll contribute. Um, but yeah, that was a full time job uh, to do that. Yeah, that's the that's the that's what we hear from lots of people that do Kickstarters. Everybody thinks it's going to be like free money or easy easy money, and then they realize that it's as as hard to to run a month long Kickstarter campaign as it is to 
you know, get out and sell product or raise money from, from, uh, from VCs. It's, it's just another way to do it, but it still of takes a, a lot of effort. I, um, I would have been, you know, looking back, it was great because we got to work together on a big project for the first time. So it was, it was invaluable from that perspective. You know, it's, to raise it's 10, also 000. great because it forces you to get out there and ask people for money early in the yeah. process, which is, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you don't do that, you may find out too late that, that the idea isn't valid. Um, right. So it's, it's, I mean, even though it's hard, I think it's, it's probably the right move in a lot of cases just to, um, to make sure that the market's there. Yeah. Because in retrospect, it would have been a fraction of the work for me to get four more students. Oh, get four yeah, more students to pay the different to pay for more, the development. four more students is to, you know when I work one on one that's that's one of my challenges. How do I make this accessible right to, to kids? It's twenty five hundred dollars. You know the the full the, the full program. I have less expensive options, but it would have been a lot less work for me to go get four kids and just mm. mentor them. That yeah, would have yeah. been a lot. I could eight kids would have been a lot less work. Um. Yeah, so that was an interesting experience. Like, yeah, this this really is an investment. I gave up a lot to do that, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, well, that's great advice. Any any parting words for people that are uh, maybe in a traditional business and thinking about transitioning into more of a tech related thing? I mean, any any parting thoughts? Wow. Yeah. Um, I hear people say, "Oh, I want to do this," and there's some college counselors I know who have some websites that are that are you know, more like tracking kind of things. Uh, and some who have clearly failed, you know, they had some products up and, and they took them down. They're not even selling them anymore, even though they're just sort of residual income kind of things. Um, like strap yourself in. It is, you may have an incredible idea that could become a real online. It could become an app. It could be delivered online. Do you have any idea of how, to think about markets, you know, is this a great idea that you have that works for you and your customers? Is there a market there? Uh, do you know how to think about people who are looking for something online as opposed to your high-end service? They may not be interested in that, or they may. Uh, you have no idea the difference between here's a little website with a couple of videos and something that actually simulates you. <laughs> that's 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 going to cost you a lot of money and years of your life. And so you better know that it's going to work and you better know there's a market for it. And you better know that you're willing to, to, to at least give it some time to go and learn and talk to people and, and find out what it's going to take. And are you willing to do that? Yeah, that's great advice. Well, thanks for being on. This has been super interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, interested to hear how the product further develops. You'll have to come back and let us know sometime. Absolutely. And um, yeah, and thanks everyone else for listening. We'll uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you, Barack. You're welcome. Thank you, guys.